to episode 3,413 of the Survival Podcast. Blood and guts you seek, blood and guts you shall obtain today. Um, we are going to uh, talk about, well, everything's going on in the world today. We're going to lead off with the fact that reality is finally beginning to set in on the tiny little minds of the people who have inserted the United States into the Ukraine-Russo conflict. I refuse to call it a war because if it was a war, Ukraine would be a, well, glass factory by now is what it would really be. Um, it is a conflict over a little tiny sliver of Ukraine slash Russia, and the United States should have stayed out of it. We're going to talk about the fact that the United States is now signaling very loud and very clear that we want to, like, wash our hands of the... Uh, cross-dressing actor that pretends to be a war hero and move on to other things, probably in the Middle East. We'll get to that toward the end of today's show. But that signal is being sent loud and clear. And we're going to do something else. We are going to rewind for just about four or five minutes instead of a whole rewind episode. We're going to go back to February the 24th, 24th. Uh, uh, 2022, a little less than one year ago from right now. And we're going to hear what Jack had to say about this whole stinking thing the exact day that it started. Just a little piece of it, and there's a link to that episode with a timestamp where you can listen to the whole segment I did if you'd like to. Then we're going to talk about how the money uh, funding the Republican Party's uh, primaries is now good money chasing even worse, right? Not just bad. It's like good money going after bad. It's like good money going after worse. But there's a reasoning and a logic behind it. So if you haven't been paying attention, Nikki Haley is now the chosen one, according to all the super PACs, even though she has, she will be president. I will be president of the United States before Nikki Haley. Unless the logic plays out. And I'll talk about how, but even Jamie Diamond who's a, a fake capitalist, by the way, because no, no actual capitalist would be a neoliberal. Um, even, even Jamie Diamond is, is, uh, is, is backing warmonger Nikki Haley, and we'll talk about what's going on there. The Koch brothers, everybody's all in on Haley, even though she's like 55 points behind the great orange man in the polls. Nobody puts a lot of money into a candidate that's that, that far down. We'll talk about the delusion there, but why the delusion isn't 100% delusion and why it's all bad, no matter how it works out. We'll talk about how the Atlantic, yeah, the Atlantic, our favorite liberal rag, now says inflation is your fault, asshole. Quit spending your money and there won't be any inflation. Stop paying your bills. Stop buying gas. Stop buying food. Stop buying expensive things and inflation will all go away. It's all your fault. The author behind this piece is also one of the dumbest human beings on the planet, and I think the only place that she could find a job is the Atlantic because they're run by an equivalent level of idiots. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the results of the Fiscal Responsibility Act. See, to save us all, the Biden administration pushed through something uh, early in their administration called the Fiscal Responsibility Act. Now, I have a theory about the names of bills. 
The names of bills are always the exact opposite of what they are. I'm going to show you a simple chart that will show that every time I make this claim, the government turns around and they go do a thing to make my case stronger. So like I said, the Patriot Act was not about patriotism. It was about the opposite of patriotism. The, the Freedom Act was actually the Tyranny Act. Well, now we have the Fiscal Responsibility Act. So let's just look at what has happened since the government passed the Fiscal Responsibility Act. We'll just real quick one on that. And then Social Security is on track to be bankrupt somewhere between 2033 and 2035. It's going to be an interesting 2025 session of, of the Congress, no matter who comes in charge, because we're getting to a point now where way out there someday, kick the can away, is becoming today, right? Because we've known this for a long time. We've known this. and uh, But now, like, you know, when you're sitting in 1995 and somebody says, oh, somewhere between 2025 and 2035, you're like, ah. But, you know, when it's, when it's 2023 and you're talking 2033, especially if you're like 55 years old, and that's going to be right about the time that you think you're going to draw Social Security, or you're 65 and you just started, and 75 is going to be kind of a tough time for you in your age, and you're going to be really dependent on it at that. It is a might like start to be really important right now, really important right now. Um, next up, we have uh, spending on the the debt's interest will exceed national defense somewhere between 2028 20, and 2030. And of course, I, as always, I have sources for all of this. What I find interesting is, is is that this was being said in earnest by politicians like like sleazy lizard man Mike Pence, but he was telling the truth back in March, and there were fact checkers that their basic explanation was, well, we actually spend more on defense than it says we do, because things like maintaining our nuclear missiles and all go under Department of Energy. And by the way, we'll probably increase spending on defense more than they think we're going to, as though that made it okay. It's just ridiculous. Um, but we'll talk about that and what it means. And then I want to talk about the, the goal of the Israeli-Gaza conflict. And I think it's important to understand this. The goal is actually the same on both sides of the fight. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. But I think when I'm done explaining it, I'll make a really good case that that's actually the goal both sides have. And it has very little to do with exactly what happens to Gaza and exactly what happens to Israel. It has a much broader implication here. Um, and you've noticed I haven't taken a side in this conflict. I don't know that either side is right. I do think some of the things that Hamas has done have made them subhuman in my mind, at least the individuals doing it. But I refuse to take a side in a fight where if you take a side, not only do you not make a difference, you don't change anything. Really. So we'll talk about that. But I think we need to be more mindful about what the actual agenda is here. And it's probably not what you think. And it's probably not anybody... Nobody has probably told you what the goal is, the agenda is, or if they did, they did it in passing and they said one side wants it, not the other. I'm telling you, I think, especially if we're one of the sides, the United States, there is a common goal here and it's not good for anybody at all. Next, uh, take a side, become a loser. It was Kissinger's final joke on humanity. Yeah, Henry Kissinger's dead. I don't have him in my lineup today, but... 
I'm not a big person on belief of heaven and hell as we think of it. I think there's definitely a potential for a hell to exist that's created by ourselves in an afterlife if there is an afterlife. If there is a hell, if I'm wrong, if there's a clear-cut religious type of hell, like some people go to heaven and some people go to hell and some people go to purgatory and maybe get out, uh, I guarantee you if I'm wrong about my take on that, Henry Kissinger has had the full tour of hell by now where he belongs. Um, but there's no comfort in that for me at all. It's just I don't miss the fact that a warmonger is dead and lived probably way longer and way more comfortable than he ever should have. Um, you know, and I'm not going to comment on anybody's religious crap either, so I'll just let that comment go. Uh, if you're not in the video, don't worry about it. It's not important. And as always, we're going to finish up with we are on our own. There is no one coming to save you. No one's going to fix this. In fact, I think you'll realize by the time I'm done today, there's no fixing this. There's only rebooting this. And therefore, we are going to have to start rebuilding before the collapse, as I always said. So we'll, we'll stop. We'll end with some words on that. So there is some hope today because there is no hope that any of this is good or going to benefit you or that if we elect the right people, they'll fix it all. There is a point where, let me put it this way, kind of to set the mood going into this. If you live your whole life doing hard drugs and boozing and partying and not taking care of yourself, there's a whole long period of time where you can go get a 12-step program, put your life back together, etc., right? There is a point where if you do enough damage to your body, and you go seek professional help, they might look at you and say, all we can do is try to make whatever you have left comfortable for you. And yeah, stop doing all that shit because it's just going to speed it up and make it worse. But you've done enough damage that we can't fix it. Economically, that's the United States economy. There is, yeah, unplug it and plug it back in. If only it were that simple. But it is in a way. It's just a very uncomfortable unplugging and plugging back in. And the reboot cycle of something like an entire economy is not the uh, minute that you wait for a modem to rebuild. Anyway, before we get into this, let's talk about our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today fits in this perfectly because one of the things you do need to see to is your own health. Um, I'm going to put it to you this way. My sister-in-law is a teacher, wonderful person going through some health issues, and she's getting no answers from her doctors. And she's waiting until, I think, the 21st of December to be able to go back in and talk about a test that was done like a week and a half ago that they won't even give her the results for. And she's a teacher. She's got, like, the gold medal version of health insurance, and she's still in that situation. That should tell you something about what's coming for all of us. The, the, the health industry, the healthcare industry, or you want to call it the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry, it is a disease and sickness industry, and it profits on disease, sickness, and almost death. That's what it is. And so you're not going to get any help in that world. What you need to do is see to your own health. And John Bush has put together the Exit and Build Health Summit. You can tune into this. It's a five-day series, uncensored interviews with 25 world-renowned natural health experts revealing their secrets to heal chronic disease, forge an unbreakable body at any age, 
It'll live longer than average with vitality, vitality and joy. And you can do this all for no cost. You're going to hear from J.P. Sears, Zuby, Kelly Brogan, Dr. Peter McCullough, Mickey Willis, and a bunch more. Check it out. All you got to do is get on over to uh, livefree.academy forward slash TSPC. There's a link in today's audio notes where you can do that. Sign up for it. Absolutely free. Check it out. Next up today, start nine embassy servers. I'm going to tell you, as this whole thing progresses, they are going to start clamping down on every single form of liberty you have because liberty is a direct threat to tyranny. Free speech is a direct threat to tyranny. Being able to handle your own finances and not need the banking system is a threat to tyranny. Being able to communicate with people in a way where you cannot be intercepted or stopped or prevented is a threat to tyranny. If you're going to be able to do this from a technological standpoint, point, you need something like the Start9 Embassy servers. You can have end-to-end fully encrypted messaging only with people that you let in. That would be one thing. You can run your own Bitcoin node. You can run your own Lightning node with a Start9 Embassy server, and you can do a ton more. You can access all your files. You can stop using the stupid cloud that doesn't exist. It's a marketing term. The cloud is not a thing. It doesn't exist. It just means your shit is on somebody else's computer, which means they control it, and they are a risk to your information, your data, etc. You can stop all of that with a Start9 Embassy server. Check them out today at Start9.com. With that Let's go ahead and uh, dig into what we have to talk to about today. Um, I'm going to start off, and I, I know there's people out there that as soon as you see <laughs> RT, Russia Today, then the ad hominem bullshit begins, right? So this is a story. It is on Russia Today. It doesn't matter that it's on Russia Today. It's just where I happen to see it. And generally speaking, when I credit a media outlet, no matter who it is, whether I like them or not, I, I think I have uh, NBC queued up today. I think I have AP queued up today. I think I have NPR queued up today. When someone is the original source I br- and I've verified the source, then I bring the original source that I found. Well, the original source that I found for this is Russia Today. It's the first one I found anyway. Um, top U.S. general says... There is no military solution to the Ukraine conflict. Uh, fighting, this is a quote from the, the U.S. general, fighting always ends with a diplomatic agreement. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Charles Brown Jr. says. Now, this is a, a fundamentally true statement. No matter who wins, no matter how well a conflict goes for either side or both sides, every conflict does end 100% with some level of diplomatic agreement. When the United States dropped two atomic bombs on Japan, completely destroyed Japan's entire industrial capability, and had them at the edge of total collapse, and they unconditionally surrendered, it still ended in a diplomatic agreement. Okay? There has never been a con... So this is a true statement, but can you see our government making any statement like this six months ago when we had the counteroffensive coming and it was all going to get, no, no, no. Putin must be stopped. We need to overturn the Putin regime, blah, 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 blah. No, but this is a signal. This is a signal from the United States government 
that they are well I'm going to tell you I think and again when you get we get to the final segment today or the final news segment today you'll see that it's because well maybe we can't afford two wars and if we want another war then we need another war I don't have this up today but it's also been reported that the Department of Defense has stated that the United States is about to quadruple quadruple the production of artillery shells. So we basically took all our surplus artillery shells, our 155s, and we sent them over to Ukraine, cluster munitions and all. And we cleaned it out so that, you know, companies that make that shit, the military-industrial complex, could make an ever-loving fortune restocking it. We're going to quadruple our existing production because Ukraine taught us that we need lots of those things in a war. Like, we didn't know that. Like, we didn't know that. Um, so we're going to quadruple our production of munitions while we're signaling this whole Ukraine thing is kind of getting to a point where it's inconvenient. We want to do something else. And this gets signaled a variety of ways. It gets signaled by direct statements from our government. And then we all know that the government and the media are in cahoots with each other, the deep state and the media. And so the government always, always tends to start leaking this stuff and they do it well before it's coming out. So what I'm about to show you actually is from July 2nd, 2022 and June 5th, 2023. So a little more, a little less than a year apart. And, and this is old news, but, but this is, this is what's coming. And they've been, my point in bringing this up is they've been, they've been kind of signaling this for a while now that we're headed in this direction. So, the New York Times published a piece on July 2nd, 2022, and the headline read, okay, how, Ru how the Russian media spread false claims about Ukrainian Nazis. Okay? That, that was July 2nd, two days before the 4th of July, when you're supposed to be feeling all patriotic, ready to eat hot dogs and pretend that you know something about history when you don't. The Russian media is spreading, spreading false claims about Ukrainian Nazis. The New York Times on June 5th, 2023 said Nazi symbols on Ukraine's front lines highlight thorny issues of history. Thorny issues of history. Well, that's that's odd. I thought that the whole idea that there were Nazis in Ukraine was crazy talk and insinuating that at all makes me a tool of Putin. That's what I was called. From the very beginning of this conflict, when I've been saying we need to stay out of this, it's not our business, it's a regional conflict over a small part of Ukraine, Russia's not trying to reestablish the Soviet Union and take over all of Europe or some stupid shit like that, this is not our place. You're a tool of Putin, you're a Russian stooge, whatever, right? Everything from I'm stupid to believe Putin to Putin's personally paying me is what I've been told. Or maybe... Just maybe what I told you was the truth. And the fact that I was telling you this in 2008, not just since this started, would lend credence to that. But I believe there is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that proves a man's point more than his own words from the past. His own unaltered words from the past. So what I'm going to do for you right now, what I have up on the screen, it's it's not large. It's bigger me. So you can see my reactions and things like that. Um, 
I'm going to play for you a segment that I did, Expert Counsel Q&A for February 24th, 2022. Now, do you know what February 24th, 2022 was? It was the day that we all woke up to Putin did it. He's invading Ukraine. He's going to take over everything, everything. My segment was about 30 minutes long. The truth is that this warranted its own show, which it eventually got. But the day it happened turned out to be an expert counsel show. So the show must go on. So I did this segment. I'm not going to play the whole thing to you. That would be kind of coasting through. I think I have five minutes of that segment that I'll play for you. That'll give me a chance to wet my whistle and get ready for the rest of the show. And I'll be here with you through the whole thing. We will go ahead and increase the size of the box there, though, I think, for you. And uh, let's listen to what Jack had to say about this war the day that it started. So this is the defending Russia. I'm just telling you where Russia's at. And this is the difference between Putin and our government. Russia actually gives a fuck about the safety and security. Doesn't mean they're not totalitarian, but the safety and security of their nation, their people and their borders. And we don't. And hence, we cannot understand what's going on at all. Russia cares about its fucking border with Ukraine and every other country. Russia doesn't want NATO countries on their border. Just like you wouldn't want Canada and Mexico part of an alliance with Russia. Would you? TV doesn't put it to you that way, and they never will. What do we need to do? We need to do something this country is not good at. Nothing. We need to stay out of this. We already said we're not going to intervene militarily. We need to shut our fucking mouths and let Ukraine and Russia work their shit out. Right? Well, we can't do it. Why? Because the TV told you. If it was Tanzania and Zimbabwe, would you feel the same way? If so, why not? Because the TV told you. Because you grew up watching Red Dawn. Because the Russians are the bad guys. Because Putin's evil. Like, because, you know, the head of Zimbabwe is a great guy. He's like a choir boy or what? You're being misled. You're being controlled. We need to stay completely out of it. Everything we've ever touched like this, we've made worse, and we've expanded any conflict. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. Putin's going to flex. He's going to show what he could do. But taking Ukraine right now, bad idea. It's a fucking nightmare. Having this buffer zone and maybe getting more of the region, not just those two little provinces, now that I think he'll make a play for. And here's what's going to happen. It's going to be one of two things. It's going to be one of two things. One, these little breakaway provinces and maybe some other ones out there will form a coalition, declare their independence, and declare themselves as a joined republic because they're too small to stand alone. Something like the original United States, maybe a confederation versus a federation, and declare their sovereignty. And Russia will say, like they already have, we support this and we will defend this. And then Russia pulls back across the Russian border and says, don't fuck with it. Okay, that's the best outcome you can hope for now, because your leaders are fucking stupid and created a situation where the apple was too ripe on the tree and Putin picked it. He'll take that. I think he would actually prefer that. I think Putin would like to have a whole little belt of nations that are not NATO alliance members between him and the NATO alliance members, which only makes sense. As much as you wouldn't have wanted Mexico, right, 
to be a Warsaw Pact member, yeah, Belize would have been a little bit better because you got a great big buffer in there. Why the hell do you think China allows North Korea to do all the stupid shit they do? Because they're a buffer between China and South Korea. That's why. These guys all play the same game, just differently. That's the best outcome you're going to get right now. A new sovereign independent republic. The more we do, the more likely you are to get Crimea 2.0. Now, Crimea 2, that's when the Russians invaded Crimea and they shot everybody and killed everybody and said, we're claiming Crimea. No. That's where the people of Crimea got fucking nervous that the Ukraine was going to try to re-annex them and they didn't want to be part of Ukraine. Funny common thread in this. There's a lot of places that are considered Ukraine that people don't want to be part of Ukraine in. Ukraine is a mess. It's a fucking mess. So Russia sent in its troops disguised as uh, peacekeepers and uh, local rebels, yeah, just like we do. By the way, every fucking thing Russia's doing, we've done a hell of a lot more of it. We've just fucked it up a lot more. Okay, we do the same shit, surgical strikes, and we're not really trying to hit. Like everything that fucking Russia just did, we've done a hundred times in the past 50 fucking years. So let's not be the pot calling the kettle black here. But if we keep fucking around, what's going to happen is they're going to say, hey, we got no choice. You're pushing us. Let's have a vote. And they're going to ask the people of these satellite republics, do you want to remain part of the Ukraine or do you want to be part of the Russian Federation? And let me just pausing real quick. here. Is that not exactly what happened? Is that not exactly what happened? Didn't Russia run an election in in the Donbass where people voted about exactly what I said, 90 plus percent? to be sovereign and independent and then say you can have this and then the United States said no screw that we're going to we're going to push back blah 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 and then what happens next well let's see what jack in the past said would happen next tell you something you do that ukraine wide you're going to get we want to stay ukraine you do that in freaking eastern ukraine you don't have to rig the election you're going to get an equal result you're going to get a fucking equal result to Crimea, which was more than 90% of voters chose to become part of the Russian Federation. This is simple. You either believe in the right of people to individual self-determination or you do not. You don't pick a side when that's going on. You stay out of it. It's not our business. It's not our place. And the world will not end if, Pew, if you, part of Ukraine ends up part of Russia again, it won't change your life here in America unless your own stupid leaders make it. What's going to affect you right now? The price of fucking everything is about to go through the roof because the price of energy is going to double. And it's going to fuck our already completely fucked economy even worse. But the only reason that's going to happen, the only reason that's going to happen is your leaders are stupid. Your leaders are stupid. And we're going to push the price of energy way up because we're going to punish Russia. I'll tell you something about Russia and energy price. Oil, this is math. Oil under $70 a barrel. Russia literally can't do anything economically in the world. That's math. You can do the math for yourself if you want to. Oil, 70 bucks and down. Russia has no economic power in the world. None. One more time. None. One more time. No 
economic stability or power in the world. Their economic influence in the global sphere literally crumbles at $70 a barrel of oil. So go ahead and restrict their exports. Go ahead. You don't think people are still going to buy Russian fucking oil? You don't think they're still going to sell it? You don't think they're still going to sell it to fucking Germany, even though they shut down the Northern Pipeline? You don't think fucking Germany's going to still buy Russia's shit? They're just going to buy it off a ship instead of out of a pipe? You think shutting down a pipe actually prevents fossil fuel from being distributed from one nation to another? Do you believe that? Are you that dumb? If so, turn your fucking TV off for a year, because you're not capable of understanding what I'm talking about if you believe that. So what happens when you push the price of oil up for Russia? Every bit of influence and control and power they have economically in the world goes up, not down. So these sanctions that the potato salad in chief is implementing against Russia and this interference in global affairs between Germany and Russia, which is also not our fucking business, but at least Germany's actually a fucking ally. Because let me tell you something. Ukraine is not an ally. Again, show me the agreement we have for an alliance with Ukraine. We don't have one. It doesn't exist. It's a word they made up on TV for you. Our democratic ally. It's not a democracy, and it's not our ally. We don't belong there. All right. How'd I do? Does that does that sound like what happened? And we're and 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 what's happened since then? What what's happened since this all kicked off? What did I just say? Ukraine is not a democracy. You know what article is out this weekend? Why elections are being suspended in Ukraine. Do you know who suspends elections? Non-democracies. Do you know who jails opposition parties? Non-democracies. Do you know who throws priests in prison for speaking out against conflicts? Non-democracies. Ukraine's not a democracy. It's not an ally. It's a place we dumped a bunch of money into and the people over there that got on the gravy train and earned all and got all the money and stole all the money and extorted all the money because we sent the money with no accountability. We have weapons that were sent to Ukraine showing up in the Middle East and Africa now. Because, you know, you can do with weapons if you don't have direct money, you can sell weapons and get money instead of using them for yourself. This is ex- this came out exactly the way I said it would. I said that the, the, it's right in that piece right there. No one can say I didn't say it. It's there. It's archived forever. That's a blessing and the curse of being a podcaster. You can't say you did say a thing unless you can prove it. You can't say you didn't say a thing because somebody will prove that you did. Somebody will have a copy of it somewhere, even if you take it down and they'll say, yes, you did. Right. Best case scenario, Russia runs elections. Donbass becomes an independent, uh, republic. That's what happened. But we decided we couldn't have that. We couldn't have people have self-determination. We had to keep pressing it. And if they did that, then the next thing would be, well, fine, we're taking it. We have to put them under our protection. We fell right into the plot. Almost like it was the plan all along. Because let me tell you what the real plan is. The real plan is BlackRock, et cetera, are going to make a fucking fortune rebuilding Ukraine. And it doesn't matter that that little mining piece of Ukraine is gone. It's pretty much all mining over there. That's all that it is. All those people are far more pro-Russia than pro-Ukraine. The people that live there are apps. I don't care whether you are. I don't care who's right. I don't care who's better. I don't care who's less bad. I don't care. I'm not talking about morality. I'm talking about fucking 
reality, the people that live in that little strip of Ukraine are Russians and they're pro-Russian. And this was always going to be the way that this would turn out because a nation like Ukraine cannot stand up against the Russian military, no matter how much money you give them and how many weapons you give them. They can't do it. They've lost almost all of their young people. I'm telling you, they are putting people into the front lines now that are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. They're conscripting women and have been for a long time, but they're doing more of it. There's nothing left there. A whole generation was butchered and damned, and it's our fault. We did it. If we would have stayed out of this, if we would have stayed out of this, first of all, it probably would have never happened in the first place. We did a phony thing called the Minsk Agreements, and we did it only so that we could arm the Ukrainians who were going to roll in and completely roll over all the resistance that was in the Donbass. They knew it, and they begged Russia. This is something the TV will never tell you. The people of the Donbass begged Russia for help. The Russian equivalent of our Congress voted for it, and then Putin acted on it. When I did this segment you heard from last February, I didn't know that yet. I know that now. Because unlike a lot of people, I'm willing to fucking educate myself, stay open to new facts and reality, and continue to upgrade my analysis. But I would say, if you're giving me an A, you know, from an A to an F, maybe I don't get an A plus on that, I'd say get a solid A. A solid A, like a 94%, you know, well into, not even just the, the grading curve, but the 93 to 100 that they used to give you A's for before they changed it to make it easier. We'll see. But we're not done yet. <laughs> we got more to cover today, guys. Here's what's next. Jamie Dimon. What do you hear what Jamie Dimon has to say? We're moving on to the election now. And uh, so let's hear from Jamie Dimon for a few moments. Uh, in about a year. So. What do you think of the, the, the two leading candidates right now? Oh, God. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> You're not going to tell I me. I did come out and make a nice statement about Nikki Haley. You did. Even You've been talking to Nikki very Haley. Liberal, yes, I have. Even if you're a very liberal Democrat, I urge you, you know, help Nikki Haley, too. You know, get a choice on a Republican side that might be better than Trump. And is that your view, that it's anything but Trump? I, I would never say that, you know, because he might be the president. I have to deal with that, too. And, you know, but but, but when he I, was the I, president, you said critical. All right. So. The guy, this guy is a snake. I mean, he really is a snake. He's a complete sleazeball. I have a link to that, that whole segment. Um, it is about four and a half minutes long. He goes into talking really, really populist. Okay. So this guy is a rich slime sleazeball warmongering profiteering piece of socialist fascist shit. And he starts talking about the plight of people that make $14 an hour. But when he says it, he's literally so out of touch. I, I should have played it, but it, it, I want to keep moving because we, we burn a lot of time in the first segment. He says a year. They make $14 a year. If he had his way, that's probably what you would make is the equivalent of about $14 a year. You'd live like you're in sub-Saharan Africa. 
This is a man who has never wanted for a thing in his life. He was born into wealth, and he's become fabulously more wealthy. He's an enemy of freedom at every turn, but he starts talking like a populist after he endorses Nikki Haley as a real choice other than Trump. Okay. Let's – uh. Is he the only one? Is he the only person in the billionaire class doing this? Oh, no. Oh, no, my friends. There's other people. Look, the billionaire-backed Coke network. Notice it says the Coke network. And for those of you that are a little sly on brain power, because I've found, and I know most of my audience knows this, but if people are tuning in from the outside, from both the left and the right, by the way, because I am amazed how brain-dead both sides have become. The Coke Network is spelled K-O-C-H. It has nothing to do with the soda you drink full of fructose corn syrup, for sake. Anyway, the Coke Network, which means all of the billionaires tied in with the Cokes, are now throwing their money on my favorite warmonger, Karen, the unhinged Nikki Haley. I, I'm starting to wonder if, what's his name with the mustache, John Bolton. I am starting to wonder if John Bolton has had his his essence somehow like transferred into Nikki Haley. If you follow Nikki Haley on Twitter, X, right, shitter, call it whatever you want to, she is literally attempting to start a war with every country on the planet. I, I'm pretty sure she'll be trying to start a war with the Bahamas next or something. Like, is that ridiculous? She sounds like an unhinged fucking lunatic. And yet these people are throwing huge amounts of money in her direction. Why would you do that? This is not a trick question. I actually, before I give you my answer, I'd like to see some answers either over here on uh, Rumble on my other screen, or if you're on Twitter, I'm sorry, if you're on Facebook, or if you're on uh, YouTube. I can see your comments directly in my back office. If you're on one of those three streams, tell me why you think. People like the Koch brothers would back Nikki Haley when the odds are so long against her win. I mean, go look up the Vegas odds. Not only that she'll be president, but just that she'll be the nominee. They're incredibly long. I mean, it's probably worse from what I'm about to tell you as to why they're doing it. Like going and putting like 25 bucks on it because I think you'll make about a grand off a $25 bet. And the worst thing is you lose 25 bucks. See, he's, she's another status robot, war, 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 and more war. Yeah, okay, fine. I want you to think a little deeper, guys. Right? War is good for business. Stop a second. Stop a second. You're not hearing my question. I didn't ask you why they would want Haley as president. That's not what I asked you. If I said I was running for president, you might do it to support me from a standpoint of, hey, maybe we can get his voice out there. Or something. But you would never expect that I was going to be president. So some of you might write me a check for 50 bucks or something like that. But if you had real money, you were worth a few million bucks, you're not going to contribute to my pack and spend $10,000 on Jack Spirico thinking that, hey, when he gets in, I can get some shit done. At least I can get a meeting at the White House or something, right? You're not going to do that. Control, controlled opposition. No, no, you're missing it. When I tell you, you're all going to be like, why would you back somebody who appears to have no chance of winning? Let's start off with the fact that the, the amount of money that you and I think of as a lot of money to these people is shit. 
They have a certain amount of money they're going to spend in this place. It's budgeted. It's budgeted annually, and there's a bigger number in election cycles, right? Two- and four-year election cycles. The year preceding, the number goes up, but they have a certain amount of political money they're going to throw in no matter what. Why would you back Nikki Haley right now? Let's think about who were they backing before Nikki Haley? Was it a warmonger? Was it somebody talking about starting wars with everybody? Absolutely not. It was somebody speaking more rationally about this than probably anybody else on the right, other than Vivek, because they're not going to back him. I think Vivek is setting himself up for a lifelong career uh, not to be president. I, and I like Vivek, and he's supposed to be on the show, and his people have gone dark on me, so I don't know why. Vivek, come on the show, and we'll let you say for yourself. But I think he's, I don't think Vivek expects to win. They were throwing all their money at who? DeSantis. Why? DeSantis never had a chance to beat Trump, ever. Why did they throw the money at DeSantis? DeSantis is like, we need to not be involved in this conflict shit. Now, he seems a little bit all in on, on, on the Israeli conflict, right? But that wasn't going on when they cast him aside. It hadn't started yet. They had already thrown him out. Why? Because he went from polling in the 30s to the single digits. Okay, so that's once you have a candidate fall like that, they never resurrect. Not in the same election cycle. It's never happened. There's been more. They come back in the next election and they win. But nobody resurrects when they fall like that in the same cycle they fall. So he's done. So they pulled the money. Tom says just to take money for other candidates. No. They're playing a long bet here. Here's the long bet. And this is where everybody goes, okay, that makes sense. If Donald Trump is convicted, let's say in the state of Georgia, on a state-level charge, it disrupts his ability to be president, and it is possible at that point that his support will bail. Yeah, she's not going to be, and people are throwing that too, Tom, that she's going to be VP. There is no way on planet Earth that Donald Trump selects Nikki Haley as a VP. No way. He's already dealt with her. He already knows what he's dealing with. Um, I do think, to Trump's credit, that he will at least attempt to actually drain the swamp because he didn't. He kept all the Obama appointees. You don't do that if you're going to drain the swamp. But if Trump gets derailed, what they want is they've put their money behind the potential new president, period. These people are smart enough to know that the American people are dumber than a fence post and a box of rocks put together. They know this. And what I mean by that is I don't care how much you don't like somebody. If you're a voter and you vote party line most of the time, I can put my dog Charlie up as the Republican nominee against a decent Democrat, and you'll probably vote for my dog. They know once you're down to two people, you will select one. They know the very people like, never Trump, never Trump, went out and voted for Trump. The day he became the nominee and it became Trump or Hillary, well, Trump, right? I mean, let's remember, I am the one that told you if you put me in, in front of a, a ballot, pointed a gun at my head and said, pick one, I might have to let you shoot me before I picked one. 
especially if you didn't let me like write in Mickey Mouse or something. If you actually, I would have done it anyway. I would have picked one to keep from getting shot, but I would have thought like, but is it really that bad to get shot? Maybe I'll just be dead and all this will be gone versus being part of this shit. So I'm not backing anybody here, but, but this is the play. Since DeSantis is out, DeSantis is done. DeSantis is not going to win the nomination, and DeSantis is not going to finish in second place. They're looking at the rest of the field. Well, what's the rest of the field? Asa Hutchinson? Chris, Krispy Kreme Christie? Like, Krispy Kreme is there for one reason. They're throwing money at him for one reason only, to, 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 to MF Trump at every turn. To go on CNBC and MSNBC and all, they don't want the orange man back. They're getting the orange man as the nominee. There's no way around that. But there is the potential. And like I said, there are people like, well, he'll just pardon himself. There's a constitutional question about whether or not a president can pardon himself. There is a question there. We don't know. We don't know. We'll have to see. But I can tell you this. No president can pardon you from a state-prosecuted crime. There's a very big misconception there. Too many episodes of 24 where the president grants immunity and then the person killed 87,000 people and they can walk free or whatever. The states can individually prosecute for a state-level crime and the president can't do dick. It would fall on whoever ends up being the governor of the state of Georgia. The F-35s don't like truth, man. They Give me a second here. Let this pass over. All right. That a, a, a governor can pardon you from a state-level offense, not the president. If I were convicted by the state of Texas of being an asshole, and that came with a five-year prison sentence, I'd probably be in prison. I mean, we already know I'm going to Irish prison if the, if the Irish pass this new law and ever get a hold of me. We already talked about that last week, right? Um, but there'd be nothing that if, if my brother was the president, couldn't do anything for me. Maybe make a phone call to the governor and say, hey, man, you." and that could happen. But there are, I think one of the problems is most of the people backing the orange man are blinded by the color orange. And because they know that these charges are all bullshit, and I'll say it, I mean, I am not a huge fan of the man, but these charges, this is the weaponization of the justice system, that they don't think it's as serious as it is. There is a real chance that Donald Trump could end up in prison for the rest of what's left of his life. I don't want that to happen because I don't see that as justice. I don't have to like somebody to not want to see them go to prison for something they didn't do. But that's the play. That's the play. Now, let's move on to something totally different. Guess what? Inflation is your fault, asshole. It's your fault. You're the one spending the little bit of money you make. If people, look, This is by Annie Lowry, and I, I promise you, I promise you, if you go to the Atlantic and you look up this beanhead, and you see what she's written in the past. She's never written anything that was intelligent, but every other piece is at least this stupid or dumber. But this is a new narrative that's coming out. Gaslighting. There's a very long article. I would have to subscribe to The Atlantic to read the entire thing. I don't need to. I get the gist of it. Inflation is driven by spending. You're in control of how much money you spend. So it's your fault that there's inflation. Now, I want you to think about what they've, they've blamed on inflation. They blamed for inflation up till now. Taylor Swift has been blamed for inflation. Um, what else has been blamed for inflation? 
there's the, it's, it's your fault. Companies giving raises have been blamed for inflation. Companies paying dividends to their shareholders, which they're legally required to do, has been blamed for inflation. Yeah. Um, it's almost as ridiculous. I'm trying to think of what, what it was my wife told me about happened. Somebody died suddenly. And oh, I, that's that's you have to look it up. This person died suddenly after the stabby stab. And experts say, which is like a total indication of a FNORD, F-N-O-R-D. Google it if you've never heard me talk about what a FNORD is before. But as experts say, studies say, it's always a FNORD, F-N-O-R-D. That she was killed because she used the hairdryer wrong. Yep. The, the autopsy reads uh, coronary, uh, basically she had a heart attack. Okay. Had the stabby stab. Not saying that's why, just saying that's true. But the gaslighting is she died of a heart attack because of a hairdryer. Remember when they said there was a guy, there was a guy from like Egypt. I think it was Egypt, some, some country over in the Middle East. His nation's team won a key thing. And I don't know if they won the World Cup or because I don't pay attention to soccer. Um, but they won a really important game. And he died suddenly, and they said he was so happy it killed him. Like, this is the level of gaslighting we're getting on inflation. So, so last week, we talked about how the, the media was saying there isn't any inflation anymore. It's only 3%, and they ignore the accumulative, the cumulative inflation up to this point and say it's only growing at 3% now, as though that matters. You'd need significant deflation for this problem to be rectified at this point. And you're not going to get it. So when you put 3% on top of freaking 20%, it's a big number. Yeah. And the 3% is bigger than it would have been without the 20% preceding it because it's cumulative and compounding. You got it? Very, very simple. So inflation is your fault, you asshole. Stop spending money. Stop paying your rent. Now let's move on. I want to show you this. <laughs> this is, I have said over and over throughout the years, that whenever a piece of legislation at the federal level is heavily pushed, they will give it a name that is the exact opposite of what it does. Patriot Act, the Freedom Act, et cetera, right? The Flowers for Orphans bill, which comes from the Simpsons, right, uh, if it ever did exist, would probably kill orphans and lay, lay weeds on their grave, Right. Or like, you know, something like that. Right. Like like and noxious weeds, too, like like some sort of useless, horrible and like kudzu. It would actually be the kudzu on the graves of orphans bill is what it would really build if they did the flowers for orphan bill. So they passed the thing called the Fiscal Responsibility Act to rein in inflation. So your genius people that run your government decided that it would be a really great idea to stop inflation and be fiscally responsible. So what they came up with is spending a shitload of money. And I want you to look at the national debt and the, the curve that occurs in debt right after the passing of the act. I mean, you can't make this up. This is statistics. This is provided by the government itself. This is from the U.S. Department of Treasury. And what it does is it goes parabolically up. 
Now, it wasn't like it was actually good in here. You're looking in the middle or since Biden. This is, by the way, if you're like, but Trump, I, I, I get what Trump did. Trump had his turn. Maybe he gets another one. Maybe he doesn't. We don't know yet. At this point, I would like to stop allowing politicians to blame the people that were in charge before they took over. Every politician makes the same promise. Every politician, this is the gist of what every politician ever says. My opponent, who's like, this is when you're going against an incumbent, this is always the basic speech. My incumbent screwed everything up. If you let me take over, I'll fix it. And if that person gets elected, they spend their entire term blaming everything they don't fix on the person they said they would fix the problem who created the problem from. Right? Obama did it with Bush. Trump, you know, I didn't hear him hugely do it with Obama, but he did it. He, I'd say he did it less. I'll give him that. But Biden and what's her name? Dumbass. Uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre. KJP, right? Like, I, my thing with her is, and I, I always thought this was funny. I said, she was, uh, Jen Paskey was signaling really hard that I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Like, even before everybody knew it, if you were paying attention at all, and I only pay attention a little bit to shit like that, you could see it. When you started to see Jean-Pierre come in for guest appearance, like, to, to like stand in for Paskey here and there for no real reason, you could see she was going to leave, and you could see that she's probably going to tie herself into some form of uh, uh, media personality, which is exactly what she did. And everybody would talk about how stupid she was. And I did call her deadhead red. But once, and by the way, the dogs you hear in the background, we got guys replacing air conditioner today, so they're losing their minds. Anyway, um, I called her deadhead red, and she was not exactly a genius. But when it became apparent that they were going to take this idiot – Dumber than stupid and put her in her place. I said, that woman will look like an effing genius six months into this. And now she does. But whenever you ask Jean-Pierre about the economy, Trump, 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 Trump. It's, it's Obama. all. Why wouldn't they do it? It worked for Obama. Bush, 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 Bush. Obama had been in office six years. Bush, 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 Bush. It's Bush's fault. It's Bush's fault. Now, now you own it. You said you could fix it. Where is it? It's not not happening. And, and at the point we're at now, it's not it's not that it's Bush's fault or Obama's fault. It's the system's fault. We're going to turn a corner now where I'm going to tell you that everyone that says they can fix it, orange man, green man, blue man, purple man, dementia patient, cackles, right? All of them are lying. Nobody can fix this. Nobody can fix this now. There, yeah, but he, uh, Grandma Merkel says Bush blamed Clinton too. Absolutely. Absolutely. They all suck. Absolutely. Someone gets it. Good job. Anyway, we're not fixing this. Social Security is now, this is on NPR. Okay? And I could find very similar pieces on Fox or Newsmax or any, you just name it because this is, Yes, these media's organizations lie and they angle things. Absolutely. But some of this stuff is simply being reported based on like math and reporting, like the, the, the CBO and things like that. Social Security is now expected to run short of cash by 2033. That's only 10 years away. I know if you're like 15, 
20, even 25, 10 years seems like a long time. I've been in this house for 10 years, January 13th. will be 10 years since I started podcasting from Nine Mile Farm. Not that, not, not so long ago, is it? If you're 50, 10 years is going to go, you're going to be 60 like that, right? The days are long, but the years are short. Like, this is an issue. This is an issue. We are headed for a point where the U.S. does not have enough money to pay its bills. Specifically, uh, to pay for Social Security, which they keep calling an entitlement. Let me tell you something about that word. That word is another one of these words that's a dog whistle that's designed to make two sides argue over absolute bullshit that they both agree about. Social Security is an entitlement. I'll say it again. Be as mad as you want. I, I just saw the number of people listening to me. There it goes. It's dropping. Oh, fuck him. It is an entitlement. Why don't you stick around for a second and find out what I mean by that? Okay? If you work for me and I agree to pay you X dollars an hour as long as you show up for work and do your job, are you not entitled to your paycheck? Is your check not an entitlement? Are you not entitled to it? Right? That's that's exactly what it is. It is an entitlement. These people, they worked hard. They put their money aside. They paid in. Yes, and that's why it's an entitlement. They are in the people collecting SSI, which, by the way, being a little bit older than me, includes my wife. She started drawing as early as she could because if you do the math, it makes sense to. Are entitled to get the money they paid in plus the money that's owed to them by the government in interest for stealing their money back. It is an entitlement. It doesn't matter if the money isn't there. I know. They're printing money all the time. We'll just print the money. Why don't we just print the money to pay the bill? That, in fact, is the plan. Print the money. But what people don't understand is what that number is. What that number is. It's north of a trillion dollars a year. And it's additional money printing. So... We can, Gmail Merkel's got this, right? Social Security, SSI, has always been a Ponzi scheme. We have always paid for the ones in front of us. Absolutely. They don't even hide the fact, they say it's not a Ponzi scheme because, well, it's backed by the government. That makes it not a Ponzi scheme. But if we actually look at how a Ponzi scheme works, the people that get in the earliest are most likely to not get burned in benefit. The later you get into the game in a Ponzi scheme, the more likely you are to hold the hot potato and have no place to sit down. You burn your hand, your mouth if you try to eat it, and your ass is left with nothing to sit on except the ground where you're going to be cold and live in a box. That, that, that's ex But if we print the money, I'm going to go back to Bernanke. So you actually have this thing called a memory where I actually remember shit. I'm not only focused on what's happened in the last, like, 72 hours and what the TV tells me to be mad about. I remember Ron Paul questioning Ben Bernanke on the floor of the United States Congress almost 20 years ago and saying, can you guarantee the value that you pay out in Social Security? And Bernanke's response was, we can guarantee the money, but not the value. So what good 
let's say, you know, cost of living and all, you're on SSI, you're getting 2,500 bucks a month and you get 2,500 bucks after social security is, you know, essentially bankrupt. They just print the money and send the checks. Okay. That's assuming the government doesn't shut down. Other programs don't shut down. Like everything just works and they print the money. If the $2,500 buys effectively what we would think of as $500 worth of shit, what good is it? How many people go from barely at the poverty line to well below it? What does it do to the value of all the rest of the money? What does it do to confidence what's left of confidence in the institutions? And I know some of you, when I just said that, are like, Jack, don't you want to see this all fall apart so it can be put back together in some way that makes sense? Yeah, but I'm also prepared for the pain. Most of America isn't. Oh, but we're not done yet. Oh, no, it gets you want to blood and guts. All right. <laughs> interest. This is CNN interest. This is CNN while their guy. The anointed one, Biden, the most brilliant man ever, the guy that got more votes than anybody that ever ran for anything. And you understand that was it. Most votes for president. That means that Joe Biden officially is known as the man that was voted for by more Americans than anyone else ever in the world while he is seeking to stay in office. CNN runs a, a piece. Interest payments on the nation's debt are soaring, adding pressure to Congress spending battle. But if you read the article, what you find out is they say, hey, you know what? By about 20, uh, I'm sorry, where is it here? Um, that's not it. Payments will go larger. I should have had this set up already. All right. By fiscal year 2033, we are going to have 1.4 trillion in interest payments. Okay. That's the interest, like principal and interest that annually by 2033, the interest payments on the debt will be $1.4 trillion. And at the same point, defense spending should be right around a trillion dollars annually. So what they're saying is about the same time that Social Security will be fundamentally and completely and actually bankrupt. No more one day. No more 10 years from now. When the, the same year that the talking empty suit head, which is also an empty head, comes on the TV and says, hey, Social Security's kind of screwed and they don't really have any money and either money printer go burr or grandma don't get no check. We will also be paying more in interest on the debt than we are on defense of our country. Whoops. And by the way, I think those numbers are way off. I think we'll hit a trillion dollars in interest payments way quicker than that. We actually have interest rates being pulled back right now because of this alone, because the Fed is literally risking bankrupting itself is where we're at right now. That's how bad things are. That's why they're making some concessions. Because remember, like, this whole idea that you'll stop inflation by raising interest rates is just stupid. It's just that you can create an economic catastrophe. But inflation is driven by a lot of things. But the underlying problem is the devaluation of the monetary instrument, the dollar. And Turkey has interest rates now, the country Turkey, not the, the animal, of 40 percent. 
Borrow money in Turkey, it's a 40% interest rate. And they still have runaway inflation because they've done nothing to stop the devaluation of the lira. To the point where people literally go to the bank in Turkey now with a gun and they don't wear a mask. You know, bank robbers wear a mask. Why do you wear a mask? Give me money or I'll blow your brains out. And they want to get away and spend the money, right? Hopefully a die bag, a dime, a dive bomb doesn't go off in the bag, right? Give me the money or I'll shoot you. Then they run away and hide, pretend it wasn't them, and then they have money. So why wouldn't you wear a mask? Because they're going in there and going, I want my money. I have X amount of lira on deposit with this bank. Give me my own money. That's what's been going on in Turkey for like two years now, by the way. But 40% interest rates haven't stopped it. There is no fixing this. There is no fixing this. And on to it, well, let's just go ahead and throw ourselves a little bit of war into the mix, right? Let's just throw a little bit of war into the mix, and let's talk about why we have what we have going on with this war. Here's the latest thing that came out. Now, I said, and I was accused of being slanderous and a tool of Hamas or whatever when I said this, and I couched it. I said, there are reports that I'm getting from my sources that say, Israel knew about the Hamas attack before it happened. I said that there was indications that there were journalists embedded with the lawnmower, you know, uh, what do you call it, parachute paragliders. There were journalists embedded. And journalists are not exactly known for keeping their mouth shut about things. And it was likely the case that Israel knew that this attack was going to happen and yet failed to protect its people. New York Times report says Israel knew about the Hamas attack over a year in advance. What I'm getting on this, here's going to be the defense of it. Okay, this is going to be how they're going to defend against this. Well, do you know, if you if you worked in the intelligence industry, and there'll be some talking head on TV. By the way, I have. You haven't, pleb. You, 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 if you knew anything, you would know. Just in the United States government alone, we get at least one credible terrorist threat every day, and most of them never happen. Now, that same person will come back on later and explain to you, totally divorced from this defense, right? Because we go out and do some shit about that to make it not happen. Or it turns out that credible wasn't credible, and we follow up on it, and it doesn't happen, right? Yeah, right? Not here. The most sensitive country in the world about its borders, the one with probably the best intelligence apparatus on the planet, doesn't know what's coming from a tiny little strip of land that they have a fence around and are monitoring constantly. And yet, not only do they make the attack successfully, there's literally no resistance put up whatsoever initially like where's the rapid response teams here why did this happen and i think we're at another let it happen on purpose situation i don't know that i do know for a fact that the sources that i have indicated this and now it's being said in public and that usually indicates that 
it is what it looks like. It's, it's exactly what it looks like and smells like and sounds like. So if you read this article, and again, I have a link to it, and then this is an AP piece, which will be put out and then reprinted by, you know, every media rag under the sun. But New York Times actually broke the piece. You go read the New York Times thing. It actually says what the goal is that Hamas had in doing these attacks. And that goal is not a direct line to freedom for the Palestinian people. The goal that Hamas had here, because they know they cannot defeat Israel, period. They can defeat Israel no more than Ukraine can defeat Russia. I'm sorry. No, you can't. Because this is reality. Again, I'm not advocating anything. I'm making a statement of reality, which some really small-minded individuals have a hard time understanding. If Israel feels that its sovereignty is truly threatened, it will Dresden, Gaza. Like what's being claimed Israel's doing, and I'm not saying what they're doing is okay or good or right or they should be doing it. But what they're doing, they are not Dresdening Gaza. If they wanted to, there wouldn't be a building standing in the entirety of Gaza, nor the West Bank. And if they feel that their sovereignty is truly at risk, they will do it. Brandon can do all he wants. He can say, well, you better not do this. And it's all posturing. It's all bullshit. Israel is the kid that if you punch it, you punch him, he's going to beat the shit out of you, your best friend and your little sister. That's who Israel is. And they have been put into a position where they feel they have no choice. Again, I'm not at, I'm talking about reality on the ground, not Jack Spirico's opinion here. Like my solution to this, I won't even get into today. But it's different than everybody else's. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But, yeah, that's too early. If you knew a kid in school that, like, somebody pushed him because they thought he did something, he didn't even do it. And then, they re- like, they realized, oh, I pushed so-and-so and he didn't do it. And you're like, dude, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Instead of shoving you back and saying we're even, he jumps on the kid, beats the shit out of him, grabs his best friend, beats the shit out of him, goes to his house and punches the little sister in the face. That's how Israel responds to shit like this. And nothing Brandon says will change that. So why would they let it happen? One thing that Israel will do at the behest of Washington is the larger global play. That they will do. That they will do. And somewhere in all this, the knowledge this was coming existed, and somewhere in between that point and Israel putting up a proper defense, it broke down. I don't know exactly why. I'm not claiming. I'm just saying it looks really suspicious. But I'll tell you what the United States wants, and it's the exact same thing Hamas wants. From the river to the sea and no more Jews. No, no, no. A broader regional war. I said we'd come back to Zelensky and his tra- his transgender acting career and playing the piano with his dick and his fake warriorness and why all of a sudden we're like really like eh we got to get rid of this guy. We don't have time to screw around with this little strip of land in Ukraine and have a broad scale regional conflict. We- will we have one? I don't know, but I think we're gunning for one. I think this is a reestablishment of the Bush doctrine. And I think most people don't know what the original Bush doctrine was. The Bush doctrine was we were going to go into the Middle East by any means necessary and never leave. We would turn the Middle East into a new Europe, post-World War II Europe. 
military presence everywhere. And that is what the goal is here. If Iran comes into the war, then we can justify a war with Iran and every bomb, 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 Iran. Does anybody remember that? Remember that? Any old enough to remember that? It was the Beach Boys, by the way. Like I want a reunion tours or some shit. While the hostage thing was going on, they took Bob Iran and changed it to Bomb Iran. That sentiment's still there, underlying. Hey, they're crazy. You know, they, they're going to come to your house and hide in your closet and kill your grandma. That's the plan. So we have our entire economy on the brink of absolute destruction. Runaway inflation is your fault because you spend the money that you earn to pay for the shit you need so you don't get thrown out of your house and die. Grandma's fixing to lose her Social Security check within 10 years, or the money that comes will not be worth anything and will destroy the entire underlying economy to get it done. The billionaires, including the leftist billionaires, are backing a warmonger on the off chance that the orange man might go to prison and not be able to be president. The president of the United States is incoherent and incapable of understanding where he is. And if you ever really thought the president was really in charge, these two administrations should show you that it's not the case. If the president had the power that you think the president has, none of the shit that happened to Trump would have happened to Trump. And Joe Biden would have the country eating dinner at freaking Friendly's and Denny's at four o'clock and going to bed. That would be the sum total of his capability. The deep state is real. And it's not a conspiracy theory. We have an official name for the deep state that the government itself uses. It's called continuity of government. The current version of it was developed in post-World War II. When the reality of a nuclear strike became evident that we could have a case where 70% of the people on the planet are dead. And we needed a functioning government to continue. And that was a legitimate concern. But the privileged people that run the government, of course, made sure they had places to go for themselves and their families, food and water and shelter to last for thousands of years, and goons to guard and protect them from the rabble that would be running around with skin falling off. And then what happened? Then what happened is what always happens with political classes in a maturing empire. They abused the system they created for at least a reasonable purpose to enhance their power and control. And there it is. And that's where you end up with what we think of today as the deep state. That's where we ended up with all of these alphabet organizations having mandates and power that is completely unconstitutional and everybody being okay with it. Because every single person that could check power benefited by not checking power, which is how the system was designed to play out. And that's where you are. And there are people right now asking me, and I've had several people ask this question, so I'll hit it right now. Martial law. Do you think that part of the goal here is martial law? (laughs) 
Why would you put people in prison to willingly imprison themselves? Why would you go through the trouble of building a prison when the person built their own prison and ceased to their own needs? I'm not saying you might not see flashes of martial law here and there when it benefits them or when they feel like, hey, shit, if we don't do something here, they're going to come kill us. Because I'm telling you where this kind of shit ends. Um, and again, I'm not advocating for anything. But if we don't see some meaningful shift in this, and I, I am not encouraged that we will. When you make peaceful revolution impossible, what becomes inevitable? Anybody know that quote? Can anybody put it there in the live feed for me so I don't have to say it first? When you make peaceful revolution impossible, then what? Violent revolution becomes inevitable. When peace cannot work, violence becomes the alternative. And where this could end is the people that run your government literally hanging from lampposts in the street. But they got the military. And what always happens when you push shit far enough is the military turns on the government. Always. And we live in this fantasy little envelope. But this is the United States. That doesn't happen here. Every single place it ever happened. Just before it happened, somebody said those words. When the Argentinian economy was on the brink of collapse, but still doing well, they said, Buenos Aires. I'm, I'm serious. This is what, this is what people, high ranking officials said about Argentina right before its total economic collapse. Buenos Aires is the Paris of South America. How'd that work out? So what are we going to do about this? There it is. There's the exact quote I was looking for. Tommy Tone says, violent revolution becomes inevitable. That's what they're pushing. And they are. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people that think, well, they're doing that because that's what they want. Well, they're doing that because they believe if they get like a little tiny subgroup to start a violent revolution, they can do what they did with January 6th times 10. That's what they're expecting is like a little bit worse than January 6th, which was a big nothing burger, by the way. Compared to Kenosha, January 6th was shit. So many people are angry with Matt. You just want the orange man. You're not paying attention. You don't know who you're talking to. I'm making a statement of fact. Police officers died. One cop died the next day. Had nothing to do with the thing. No, no. The only person that died on January 6th was Ashley Babbitt. She was shot as an unarmed grandmother by a police officer who was then protected by the system he swore to uphold and protect and violated his oath. That's what happened. That's what happened. But they think they can manage this. You know who thought they could manage things? Again, this is not a judgment statement on ethics or morality. The Native Americans, when the first colonialists came to the New World, thought... These people are idiots. We can handle this. We can benefit from this. We can trade with these people. They're fools, and we outnumber them. If you look back tactically, 
what could have happened, and, and, and don't think for a minute this revisionist bullshit they give you. Well, the reason is because they were peaceful. These people had slavery. They had torture, right? Not because Indian bad, because they were humans at the time. And this is how things were in the 1600s and 1700s, 1500s throughout the world. They were totally willing to kill each other and us. And had the people who were here immediately decided these people are invaders and everyone that showed up had been killed, they probably would have at least forestalled settlement by at least 150 years. Instead, they said, oh, oh, we can handle this. We, we can we can we can outsmart these people. We can. I'm, I'm telling you, you need to read 1491 or listen to the audio to understand the actual history of what went on here. I love that book because it pulls no punches. It doesn't it doesn't side with either side. It's like this is what happened. It's balls and strikes. I love that. You call balls and strikes and you just this is what happened. Doesn't matter what you think should have happened. Doesn't matter what I think should have happened. This is what happened. History is repute with groups who believed they could agitate a situation and manage it to their own end. And usually those people succeed for a time and eventually they overplay their hand and it turns to bloody violence and they swing. And I know some of you are like, good, let them swing, screw them. Yeah, but it, this is a problem in the American understanding of revolution. America had one of the only truly successful revolutions in modern history. Our revolution against England resulted in a republic with extensive freedom for the average person. And it was a unicorn. This is not how revolutions and insurrections usually go. Usually what happens is a nation ends up on the precipice of disaster. And someone comes in who, who's charismatic, claims they're able to fix it. And as bad as it was, the new boss is not the same as the old boss. It's worse. It's worse. And what the founders gave us, flawed as they were as men, what they gave us was a way to avoid that. They gave us a Republican form of government. They gave us a representative democracy. They gave us a constitution that was dedicated to the preservation of individual rights. And where it fell short, they fixed it with the 10 amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And they said here. Great. And if people don't use it, it's useless. Let's say you have a shotgun. Lots of ammunition. You know how to use it. It's in a closet upstairs in your house. You sleep downstairs. Somebody breaks into your house. They're between you and the stairwell. You don't have another gun. They have a knife and a club and there's three of them. So they have you outmanned and outweaponed. If you had that shotgun, how fucked are they to be blunt? And the way the, the, they are all the way fucked. Yes, you have the tool and the ammo that you need and the knowledge of how to use it. But you have it in a closet. You're relying on the collective idiocy. The so mentioned Brondo here, right? 
right? Burondo, idiocracy. You're relying on the idiocracy, the absolute idiocracy to figure out, hey, look what they gave us. We can fix this without hanging people from light posts. But you're forgetting. We didn't use it for so long. It's rusted and the ammo won't fire. That's what the deep state is. We have to do this ourselves. We have to rebuild before collapse. We have to build parallel economies. We have to grow our own food. You are better off right now learning how to make compost than worrying about where the next war is going to be because you're not going to prevent it. You want to vote? Go vote. Please. If that's what makes you happy, go do it. Understand you get to do that once a year, once every other year, whatever it is in your state based on the elections that you have. That's it. That's all you get to do. You can yell at your brother-in-law or your mom or your dad or your brother or your uncle, whatever. It isn't going to matter. You're not going to change them. People today are out for what they can get, and they don't care how they get it. Do you think the average Democrat really thinks it's a good idea to chop dicks off kids? Or do you think they see it as a means to getting what they want, and what they want is more important than what's right? You know what I'm seeing on TikTok from this one one freaking channel that's all about my patriots, my patriots, patriots, patriots. They're showing these videos of like a lady losing her shit at a bar in an airport and getting arrested. And like patriot bartender shuts down liberal. There's nothing in there that's political. That's how stupid the right is. And you point it out and then they attack you as a liberal. Yeah. The, the polarization is they've done exactly what they wanted to do. They've made you hate your own brother. If he wears a different letter at the end of his name, his designation than you. I mean, we might as well walk around with like D and R on our head. And you know what? If we did that, if that's what we did, do you know who would be the most hated? Do you think since there's more and there are more Democrats than Republicans, by the way, as far as like just a general census of the population, the Democrats outnumber the Republicans. So, well, the Democrats would win then because there's more of them so they could get away with more hatred. Oh, the Republicans got guns, man. We don't violence. We're going to defend her. We would. No, no. You know who would be hated the most by both sides? Us. People are like, I'm not putting a fucking letter on my head, you idiot. Both sides would assume you're the other side, but worse. They divided us. And there it is. And I think that that got said before I was heard because there's like a 10 second delay. Those would be hated. Who don't wear either R or D. And as much as they would hate, like you put an L, you're a loser, libertarian loser, right? You know, A for anarchist. Like as much as those would be, the people who refused to participate would be the most loathed and hated. The people we're talking about today, the billionaire class, the bureaucratic class, the political class, the oligarchs created this on purpose because they believe that they can manage it. They can't. This will come to a head at some point. It always does. Crack a history book. Start building your own life now and try to stay out of the way as it all falls apart because it's going to. It's going to. With that, let's go ahead and remind you guys, if you like the show and the work that we do, you can always support us by doing your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. And today's item of the day is one that I brought you earlier last month. 
and I really am loving mine. It is the Vivor commercial 10-inch meat slicer, and it is on sale today. It is normally priced at, let's see, $289.99. That's how much I paid for mine. It's on sale right now for $241, 17% off. So that's going to save you about $50. I love this thing. It is all, and you can see, hey, I, when I say I bought something, I bought it right there. I purchased on October 20th. And I would say it's probably already saved me enough money by using it to make my own stuff with it that my $50 uh, bogey that you guys get to beat me on if you pick it up today, I've already at least paid for that. I'm going to be slicing some roast beef today with my grandson, and assuming he's still here. I think they might have left because uh, I think the AC guys might be gone. But if he's here today, we'll go ahead and slice that up, and I'll do a video to show you how good this thing works. Um, make a great gift if you like somebody that much. You have to like somebody a lot to spend 240 bucks on them. Uh, but if you've been looking to get this for yourself, and I'll tell you the main reason I picked it, there was a more expensive one, but I think its overall quality is probably a tiny bit better. But I'm not running a small deli here or something that's going to get used maybe once a week or so. I have no doubt that this will do just fine for that kind of use level. It has worked perfectly so far. The blade in it, the blade in these things when you have to take the blade out to clean it, a lot of people don't think about this before you get one. This is why I do research. The blade is sharp all the way around. That's what makes it a blade. It's a razor blade in a disc. Think about taking that out and trying to not cut yourself with it. What they did with the Vivor is they put a tapped hole in the blade. There's two of them. And there's an adjustment knob you can take off the back. It screws right in there. You have a handle. That's why I chose this, and now I'm really glad that I did Read the read-up on it. It is just absolutely awesome. Anyway, with that wrapped up, let's go ahead. I have a few um, comments that I start here. I'll hit those and we'll uh, move off. One Million Pumpkins said, we tried to buy turkey feed at the feed store, um, semen, but it was not a oh, – hold on. I've got something in my way here. Uh, the feed store said multiple suppliers had to destroy stockpiles due to salmonella. Terrorism? I haven't heard about that, but I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Um, I also not sure what turkey feed is, because as far as I know, turkey feed is just chicken feed. Uh, maybe game bird feed, I guess, because you want the higher protein requirement. But I haven't heard of anybody having any real trouble getting their hands on feed lately. Uh, I was just at Tractor Supply for something totally unrelated. But I ended up in that aisle and there were bags and bags of feed. I, I think you just, you know, sometimes things fail and sometimes there's uh, a problem. And sometimes the system actually catches the problem. And that's a good thing. Uh, trial and error said, do you think martial law in the U.S.? And again, um, I am back to I absolutely don't think that's the goal but I think they'll use it whenever it makes sense. I think that the people of this country have so perfectly imprisoned themselves, there is no need to imprison them. I think that, I, I don't remember who it was. It was one of the Roman philosophers or emperors I've quoted before that said the, the agitations of the crowd are so easy to cause, and when you do it, it bears a marvelous resemblance to the sea. I think it was Seneca that said that. And so all the way back during the Roman Empire, the people in power knew that if you had a problem and they were looking at you, just make them fight each other. No one 
has done that as well as the United States government. It's never, never in history has anyone done it as well as us. And I think it's a byproduct of freedom. If you think about it, most nations, they get to a point where when they really want to control people, they go martial law, even if they don't call it that. You know, they like Stalin had his, like, bring me X number of people that need to be sent to Siberia or killed by next week or you go. Right? That's how most countries go. Doing that in America has been almost completely impossible because of the form of government that we were blessed with in our founding. And I'm talking about the constitutional government, not the Articles of Confederation that we were under for eight years. And honestly, we would probably have been better off if we'd stayed there and done a few things to make it a little bit better than it was. Like throwing it out and completely replacing it with something that gave so much central authority was a real disaster. But it was still way better. Remember I said better doesn't always equal great, right? Better doesn't even always equal good. But it was pretty damn good. And it was a hell of a lot better than anything else that existed. And it made it very difficult to establish a hard tyranny. So people that have the psychopathic mindset that want to control you, they got very good at soft tyranny, which is what you have in America today. And then my last one comes from Benny Oba. Please do another show about Bitcoin. Sometimes I understand that a majority of your audience doesn't care about crypto, but some of us do, and we miss the Bitcoin breakout episodes. My plan is to bring Bitcoin Breakout back as a monthly show beginning in January. I think we can cover everything we need to cover with Bitcoin from our, our viewpoint in a monthly show because it'll give us enough time with news cycles. And if something comes up, I'm like, I'm not going to not talk about Bitcoin at all. But Bitcoin centric episodes, I think we're going to go to like, you know, 12 a year. That's plenty uh, to keep the people who want to be informed, informed and not turn off the audience. I get about 15% of my audience to pay attention to a Bitcoin show. I'll never shut up about it. I, I Here's what I want you to do. If, if you, now you're right now, you're like, ah, get out of here. Don't leave. Don't turn it off. I'm almost done. Before you write off the advice I give you on Bitcoin, go back and listen to the segment I did today about what was going to happen in Ukraine with Russia from a year ago. And then say to yourself, maybe this guy isn't exactly nuts. Maybe this guy actually knows what he's talking about. Maybe he does. Maybe we should pay attention here. Because we are watching the willful destruction of the dollar. And no matter how bad things get, let me tell you what's not going away. The ability to move things electronically. In places and parts and things, sure, things can get blown up or broken. Or Humans have figured out how to transmit information digitally across the world. It's not going away. You're not going to run a global economy on gold. You're not. And all these other shit coins and all these other, but this one's faster. This is not going to happen. It's not. There is one ultimate hard Asset with the network to actually handle being a means of commerce and a store of value in the world today that cannot be corrupted by government and cannot be corrupted by a small group of people. One, it's Bitcoin. Accept it or don't, but never say, Jack, you didn't tell me. 
Jack, you didn't teach me. Jack, I have done my part for this since 2013. And if you right now, if this is bothering you to hear it, it's only because either you are so close minded to this, you cannot accept it. You haven't done the research and you don't know anything about it or sour grapes because you didn't listen. And now you're bitter. But I told you during the last big cycle with Bitcoin, you're going to get another huge drop. It always happens. I called the bottom at 14.4. I was off by a few hundred dollars. Again, before you write it off, look at the track record an individual has. Get involved on some level. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to end with that. You need to be using technologies like Start9 Server. You need to be using technology like Above Phone. That's why I have them both as sponsors. You need to be using technology like Nostra to communicate with people and to share things and to tie into networks. You're talking about a network of people who cannot be silenced, who have it have an integrated and that has an integrated payments network across Lightning. That's what Nostra is. You need to be building underground networks and you need to do it with and without technology both. Your enemy is going to use hard things against you and soft things against you. They're going to use real-world assets and restricting your ability to procure them, like food, against you, like healthcare against you. And they're going to shut down, whenever they feel like it, your ability to transact business or exchange information electronically. They're going to attack you on both fronts. They're going to use both sides, both classes of things as weapons against you. You better fucking have some for yourself. Or you're literally a nation finding out that your enemy is about to develop the atomic bomb. And you've got a guy sitting in front of you going, here's the blueprints to build your own. You go, fuck that. We don't need that. We have bullets. The weapons your enemy has, you better have two. And make no mistake about it, these people are the enemy of freedom, and they therefore they are your enemy. We are more powerful from for, than them because there's more of us. But only if we can learn to work together, and that starts with a core group of people who form these underground networks, who put these solutions in place ahead of these problems. And you're part of that solution or you're going to be a victim of the problem. With that, I'll catch you tomorrow with another episode. In fact, tomorrow's episode will be a live stream with Nicole Awesome Sauce and John Willis of SOE Tactical Gear. Uh, that will be tomorrow's episode. And then we'll have a really great interview uh, with Matt Sersley on Wednesday and uh, Thursday, Expert Council. So that's kind of the rest of the week, Friday flashback. We're back on. We're regularly scheduled programming, at least for this week. And uh, holidays are coming, so there'll be shutdowns ahead. But I've got some really great things planned. I'll tell you an episode that I'm going to be doing uh, very soon that some of you will really enjoy and some of you won't. Because some of you don't dig history and you don't dig permaculture and the ag stuff and all, even though you eat every day and you need food. Um, I recently listened to an audio book called Founding Gardeners. And it's about founders, Adams, Jefferson, uh, Madison, primarily Franklin's in there, some others, but mostly it's Madison, Jefferson, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Adams. And what their guards were and what they did after they left the public life as a politician and all. And most of them, they, they, all three of them, they really dedicated themselves to the pursuit of botany and agriculture. And, 
probably the person that did the most to advance what we think of as regenerative agriculture today in the early 1800s was the father of the Constitution, James Madison. And what I've learned about him and what he advocated for in, in you know, the early 1800s sounds a lot like things that we keep saying we need to be doing today. What's old is new again. And so I'm going to be putting together an episode on that. I don't know if I'll have it ready for you guys next week or not. Anyway, with that, take care, guys. I've been Jack Spirit with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. You don't have to think another face in the crowd. You don't have to live the way they tell you.